What do you say? Okay. Hey, everybody. Hello. This is Christopher Paul Stelling, and this is the Newport Folk Festival podcast. I'm here with my friend and our guest, Mr. Ben Harper. Hello, Lower East Side, Manhattan, New York. Yeah, here we are. It's, uh, what is it? It's June 11th. It's 1.22 a.m., and Ben has just finished a three-night run at the Bowery Ballroom with Mr. Charlie Musselwhite, and tonight was an exceptional show. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank and, you. And uh, it's late. It's early. Whatever you want to call yeah. it. Thank you. It's almost like a, we'll have to come up with a portmanteau <laughs> <laughs> for the late early. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing this. We're back at the hotel. Thanks for having was, me on. Thank you. Tonight, thanks, and thank you for being there. You were all three nights, which is bonkers. Thank you. Well, That's a huge artistic um, compliment, if well, I dare say. I just finished the road, and as you know, it's not always good to go straight home. And okay. I thought, like... What a better way to come back than to just watch you and soak up all the vibe and inspiration. Well, and yeah, seeing you in the corner hanging out with Charlie <laughs> and Henry, just oh, man. hitting it off and speaking that shorthand was and, special too. And thank you, and thanks for having me. And yeah. you know what, what's what was great is like just to you spoke Mississippi with them. <laughs> we talked about Clarksdale. Yeah. What was great? What I learned from seeing you when we were on the road together, when you were so kind to take me out was that seeing you night after night, I'm not going to see the same show. Okay, right on, loud and clear. And tonight was the perfect example of that, you know? But let's not get ahead of ourselves because we are doing the Newport Folk Festival podcast and they asked me to talk to you about the blues. Okay. And what the blues, well, let's start off with what the blues means to you because if you listen to the greats, some of which are, you know, uh, Skip James, yes. Sunhouse, yes. Buka White, yep. you know, Mississippi, John Hurt, yep. Mississippi Fred McDowell. Yep. They all want to tell you what the blues is mm, okay. and what it isn't. This is a thing. Those guys want to tell you oh, yeah. specifically. Yeah, if you watch interviews and stuff, yes. they're like, this is what the blues is, this is what the blues isn't, but the best thing about it is... Reverend Gary Davis. <laughs> yeah, yep. they all have different opinions. They they all tell you something completely different. I love that. So I never put that together. So, well, what's the blues to you? Okay, well, the blues to me is um, is a... It's as clear and honest a look in the mirror as I can take. Mm. Wow. Um, and I may have a different answer tomorrow sure but at the moment um, well because you're staring the blues in the face every night yeah you can't fool the blues wow and you can't fool Charlie Musselwhite no no god that must just be suffers no fools I mean how do you how is it to just sit across from I mean he's well let's talk about Charlie for a second born in the Delta, yeah. raised in Memphis, yeah. cut his teeth in Chicago. I mean, just by like the, the way, blues itself. The Holy Trinity. Yeah. Right? If, no, the, just if like the blues. A soul, soul, a blues trinity. That's the one. God. And I've never met anyone who really connects in, with deep roots, as deep as Charlie, in all three of those. Yeah. Never, never witnessed that. So that, even before a note's hit, right. is really cool. Can I show you a photo real quick? Please. This is a photo I'm showing Ben real quick. No, that's and, great. Uh, I, I, You've seen it I before. I have no idea. You've seen it before. Oh man! Oh, I what I just showed out who took that shot. What I just showed Ben is a photo oh, I found of shit. of him sitting, a young Ben Harper, sitting in between John Lee Hooker mm. and Charlie Musselwhite. When was that taken? 
That was taken in 1997, I believe. Yeah. Could have been 98, but I'm guessing 97 by the t-shirt I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Were you recording with John Lee at that point? John Lee was making what would become his final studio album. Wow. Best of Friends, collaborative record, collaboration record, in which he invited Charlie and I to join him on a song called Burnin' Hell. Wow. And did... Now, shit, was that, that was that where you met Charlie, or did you guys go back further than that? We went back, we go back even further than that. That's, like I said, 97. We go back, when I was first coming up, I signed on to a booking agency mm-hmm. called Rosebud. Okay. Um, there were other booking agents circling, and I simply said, I want to be booked by the same agency as John Lee Hooker. Straight up. That's it. You'd already signed with a record label? You'd already... At that point, I had just signed with Virgin. This was 1993. Okay. Early 1993. And miraculously, and it was, and I don't say that lightly, um, because it's, of course, not miraculous as real miracles go, Mm -hmm. but as musical miracles go, it was big for, it was a miracle to get signed up as a lap steel guitar player and a... And a you know a, a writer that was outside what was popular at the time, which mm-hmm. was Seattle. It was all things Seattle. Wow. This is ninety four. This is ninety three. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So Nirvana was like. It was everything, and everything yeah. was only based around what could be related to the next Nirvana. Wow. Um, or the next sound of Seattle, you know, be it uh, Soundgarden or Alice in Chains or Pearl Jam. It was all based in and around that sound at the time. Yeah. Um, now there were outliers like Jeff Buckley and like Morphine, mm-hmm. um, but we knew how oh, the out salmon. Yeah. Uh, Mark. Yeah. Mark was precious as was Jeff, mm-hmm. as was Elliot Smith, as was, you know, the whole class of 90 that's just whittled down. Oh. Um, that's not the way to put it, but you know what I mean? It's come yeah. to, it's yeah, come the, to what it's a lot come of, to. a lot of them are gone now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow which is a conversation I never expected to have. Yeah, sure. But it is rock and roll. And yeah. So um, John Lee, Rosebud Agency, Mm -hmm. um, signed the deal. They passed along my music to John Lee Hooker. Mm -hmm. And before the record was even out, I got the opening slot. John Lee was doing some shows in Mill Valley. Mm Mm-hmm. A small club, a legendary club. It's not in the same location, but it still exists to this day. At the time, a wom- lovely woman named Jeannie, she was as legendary as the club, and it was called the Sweetwater. Yeah, you know the you, the the, the lower. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm not a West Coast guy, but right, right. it's, it's yeah. one of those. It's one of those places that holds its esteem in the same light as the Ash Grove in Southern California from back in the day, or or the. Um, uh, um, Oh, what's the, the um, what's that wonderful club? It it was in like Burbank or something. It was not the Stone Pony, but it was the Palomino. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's right up there with with the great legendary small clubs of southern of of the West Coast mm-hmm. in California. Anyway, they John Lee Hooker I remember was specifically doing a number of shows for free just to benefit because they were falling on some some hard times. 
Wow. Making, making ends meet. So wow. John was friends with Jeannie, agreed to do a run of shows to benefit the, the, the sustaining of the Sweetwater. Wow. And he offered me the opening slot. Hmm. So it, this getting, is 1993. What was, was getting that call like? Unimaginable. Yeah. And at that point, I was all things blues. That's all I would hear. That's all. As much as I was filtering my own influences into what would become my first record, Welcome to the Cruel World, my library, my, my psyche, my spirit and soul were all blues all the time. Wow. Um, specifically, Mississippi John Hurt and Blind Willie Johnson. Oh. But of course, it branch out it would you know mississippi fred mcdowell and shake them on down and i mean I, I learned that version of shake them on down that's on youtube note for note with a little knuckle slide and before youtube by the way before well before youtube that's right <laughs> thank you thank you yes by by setting the needle back in you know yeah till the sun came up on the record player and i walk into the room to open up the shows to you just me and a bunch of guitars and you know dusty kid and I, I walk in and in the backstage is John Lee Hooker with Charlie Musselwhite. Now, I grew up in a music store called the Folk Music Center, Southern California. It's been an institution for folk and blues and world music before they called world music, world music. So since, I, 1959, since 1958, we're 60 years this year. Got it. And we're going to have a a throwdown. I'd like to get you out to the West Coast for that throwdown as well. Okay. To celebrate. It'll be November, December. I'll talk to you more about that. Maybe I'll be out there by then doing that, something. And else you know anyway. what? That would that yeah. would be really special. There we go. Yeah. So to bring that in for a landing, mm -hmm. I had known once I was knee deep in all things being the blues, I made it my business to know the who's who. Yeah. And so that requires the 12 string players, you know, sure. Blind Willie McTell, McTell. right? Oh, uh, from um, Atlanta. And, and Lead Belly, exactly. And and um, even the Lonnie Johnson jazz stuff that he did on the 12 string. I mean, you, you make it your business to know the blues inside and out. So you know the harmonica and the evolution of the harmonica and the two Sonny Boy Williamsons. The two, and, Sonny and the, Boy number one Sonny, and Sonny Boy number two. You know, two. Lewis Myers from the Four Aces. Yeah. You know, Little Walter. Yeah. You know, Charlie Musselwhite. That's right, because he was, he He's, was, they yes, took him in. They took him in. And that, it, it just, that music was, was, was where, that was the starting point. Yeah. And that was, that was what the circle, that's what you, those were the, that was the essence of where you would begin. Right. The blues, you know, and of course, Wolf and Elmore and, but Charlie was in that number. Yeah. So, and also it didn't hurt that. My grandmother loved Charlie Musselwhite, and she was really my grandmother. She was um, she knew Bess Hawes, yeah. A, a, you know the East well, Coast. She was a big part of the folks, the East Coast well, folks. Yeah. She knew the Seegers. So and, for those that don't know, the Folk Music Center was started by your grandparents yes. in 1958, That's right. and it continues to run to this day. That's right. Which is interesting because, be it that we're talking about the Newport Folk Festival, yeah. which was started in. 59 if my grandmother in 59 yeah, yeah so there you go you have a family heritage that even just by one year but hey well they had been working on it for a long time before they even had the music store house concerts they were doing everything that people That's are right. talking about as hip they were the my grandparents now, were the first people to have house concerts yeah they, they gave birth to house concerts they gave birth to world mu world music and i have always felt a kinship with the newport folk festival 
which is why it's such a heavy, heavy moment for me to get to step to it this year. I'm so, and I'm so glad it's with Charlie. Oh, it couldn't be a, a more fitting entrance. Wow. It's going to be great. And everybody is, uh, everybody's so pumped. Oh, man. And, I, I, uh, if they, I, I hope if they're as pumped as me, it's going to be a hell of a night. And Charlie is equally as pumped, you know, the fact that it's his first Newport as well. That is, it's a, it's because Charlie's played with, I mean, even, um, well, I mean, he played with Bloomfield. He's played with everybody yeah. in and out. Oh, no, he, the years. he's got more Bloomfield stories yeah. than, than, than you can chase down with the fastest motorcycle. I mean, he's just got all of them. I loved when we were, when we were hanging out, he would, he would just, he's just, I mean, I'm sure and they're not the same. He's just, it seems like he's just, he'll recall something and be like, I was with so-and-so. And you're like, what? Are, are you still, uh, is he just, he's just an encyclopedia of this, of this history. He was there, man. Yeah. You know, he, he was there and he holds the torch. He holds the torch. There's just no question about that. His playing is just, I mean, just so captivating. And just his tone, everything about his playing is just... Uh, and then and then he stands there and is, is as lucid and you're, you're, you're just, you know you're witnessing something that you are not going to see again until you hear him again. Yeah. And his solo, he's transcendent. And I never use that word, my God. Dare I? Mm-hmm. And here you are playing with him. So you met him in the studio, or you uh, met him no backstage with John Lee. Backstage, hit it off, um, connected. I mean, deeply. We, me, John Lee, Charlie, and I would just—it it was instantaneous. And I think they were both really happy to see me come like Taj was when Taj heard me play in '92. Yeah. He said, "You're going to get a ticket in the mail." When you get the ticket, get on the plane and learn a hundred of my songs. That's Taj Mahal, by the way. That's Taj, yeah. yeah. And I did that and I arrived ready to, I got the ticket came in the mail, still to this day, the greatest moment of my entire musical career. And he was happy to see me. He, he sensed, he could he, he could tell. And John Lee and Charlie, I think, just could feel that just, just, you know, like you're, I, I'm, I'm pig do... pen, and then you see what you know all the dust around yeah. pig pen. That's, yeah. <laughs> that, imagine that big blue dust, and that's me. Yeah, following these guys around because you were committed. You knew I'm, you were going to do this oh, for the rest of your life, man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I could you know talk, talk to you know I could talk to Charlie about Big Joe Williams because I knew they were connected, and I could talk to Taj about Jesse Ed Davis, and he's just all these you know I just knew where to start the conversations. Right, and I knew better than to not let them. To, and I knew to let them end the conversations. I'd start, you know, wow. so seat it and then get out and just listen. Oh, it, when you meet, if you ever meet the blues cat, just listen, just listen to them, because that's, yeah, I need to be. I need to remind myself to do that with Charlie, because Charlie and I have kind of broke down the wall. So now I tend to talk. Well, as you're, if I'm, you're working. I'm working. Yeah, fair enough. But I still need to remember to listen to Charlie more than I talk to him and I asked Charlie crazy outlet Charlie how should a man shave because he's always perfectly clean shaven 
So and I his like hair to, is every hey, every hair yeah, is in the talk right to place. Me about what what's keeping it down? Exactly. Yeah. What kind Just, of pomade are you like using? It. What's pomade? What is exactly. that gel? Yeah. <laughs> it's the blues. <laughs> But I love just, yeah, asking about stuff that's unrelated yet somehow more related than the rest of it. Yeah, it's part of it. So, again, uh, to bring it in for landing, from that point on, John Lee, I mean, this was the birth of cell phones, right? When they were giant and square and had antennas you pull up. Yeah. And all of a sudden from that moment on, I'd get a like a cold call from John Lee. Oh, 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 Harper, what you doing? You don't, are you ducking, you ducking me? You, you, you're gonna come, when are you gonna come come to Redwood City? Come, come on, we'll, 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 we'll go to my diner. You know, come come up to Redwood City. He was oh, living gosh. in Redwood City at that point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, but he wanted to hang out. John was a hangman. He would call, and Charlie and I the same way. We'd stay in touch. We just all of a sudden were that bonded. So after they saw me play and open those shows, and we connected, I got the call, and in, in you know a few years later three, four years later to come in on. And I had by then earned, had a track, you know, from there I went out into the world and put out, put out Welcome to the Cruel World, put out a record called Fight for Your Mind. Of course. I put out a record called The Will to Live. And that was enough to, you know, keep inching along to sort of earn my stripes to get that call from John Lee and Charlie to come in on that, on that track. And at that point, you know, I had visited John Lee in between the Sweetwater gig and the recording session, I had been made many pilgrimage to John Lee's house and Charlie and I would, would uh, stay connected in different, we'd bump into each other on the road, Byron Bay blues festival, Memphis in May. And we just, Byron Bay is in Byron, Australia, in Australia. Yeah. Exactly. We, he and I would cross paths, stay in touch. And um, even before the John Lee, rec- John, the John Lee recording session cemented the fact that Charlie and I were going to someday collaborate but even before that, Charlie and I would cross paths and say, you and I should really think about doing this. And then when we did play with John at the session, John John was John was not easily amused or impressed because he's John Lee Hooker. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> so he, after that session, I'll tell you a secret about that session. Yeah. John Lee did a sec. He was so into it. He did a second take to make sure we got it because John Lee never did second takes. Yeah, he did a second, whole second take, and after the session, he said, "You two have a sound. You need to to investigate. You need to." He didn't use those words, but he said, "You two have a sound. You two need to play together." Is exactly how he put it. You you and Charlie have a thing. And a, that a, stuck with Charlie and I deep. Wow, man! And so we we just held on to that. And once John Lee said it, it it's was like gone. a holy obligation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow, that's incredible. And that's some shit. It's just huge. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. To get to pull away from it, you know, twenty years later, and just you know, you you yeah, it's. It, it me you know to pull back from it i never thought i would have 20 years to reflect you just don't you can't you can't recognize you know that you're going to have 20 years to reflect on until you hit that mark and all of a sudden you you 
it looks so much different than when you were in it. You know, and I, I just wish I, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a painting you can hang on the wall. You know, I mean, it's this memory that just kind of blows over your, your, your blows by your mind and you just try to capture it and encapsulate it in conversations like these. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain to you, you know, shaking John Lee Hooker's hand because it was like shaking the hand of a Buddha. He had no bones in his fingers. Anyone who's ever shaken John Lee Hooker's hand. I've heard this actually from a, from yeah, a friend of mine. You just, it. Yeah. Some other shit. Anyway. Yeah. You just said, wow. Um, tonight you said something and, uh, you said the times I thought I deserved what I had, I've been knocked down so hard. Yeah. You said that to the audience. You were yeah. very candid and open yeah. tonight. That's interesting because not only is the blues a music form, not only is it a style or a lifestyle, it's also the blues. Yeah. And when people say, you know, when they say I woke up this morning with the blues all around my bed, they're they're not talking about the music wasn't all around their bed. There, it was it was depression and heartache, um, isolation, loneliness, yeah, desperation, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, we've lost so many artists and people lately who maybe we all thought were just they had it all together. Yeah, yeah. And when you go back and you think about the when you think about the blues, it's like it, they didn't call it the blues. They were just playing, they were playing songs and they were playing a lot of sure essentially enough. what a lot of them thought of as folk music. And maybe outsiders started calling it the blues because there was a, do we know? I, I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering riffing. who coined it. No, I'm with you. Cause I, we should probably, do, I think WC handy. That, that's right. Yeah. St. Louis blues. Yeah. I think that's where it comes from. Uh, where this, where the, uh, where the, where the, crosses the yellow dog um mm -hmm. what is it i'm going where the southern crosses the yellow dog okay i mean he wrote it down he called it a, a blues but what i'm trying to get to is that they were talking about pain yeah. and they were talking about depression yeah. and i think that that's yeah. something we should all talk about you know like we were just talking before we started this about how like you asked if i can sleep after a show yeah and I mean, sometimes it's like, it's exhilarating. Sometimes it's downright depressing and you beat the hell out of yourself. It's as a performer, you know, giving, trying to give as much as we can. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'm I, with you. So much is in the balance of, of, um, so much is in the balance while touring and trying to be creative and connect we 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 relinquish um our own sort of sense of or some whatever semblance of self-confidence we have we put on the line every time we step on stage totally for it to be for it to you have to be that vulnerable to activate to activate and for it to strike as, mm. as deep as you feel it because we're trying to express to people something as deeply as what we're feeling imagine that or with their help, we can even express it deeper, God forbid. Um, and it's, yeah, and there is no coming back from that. And it's, but the, the funny thing is this, this, 
the symptom is the cure. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> because <You're> so... <laughs> because we're we're we're. <laughs> it's, it's it's like fueling nuclear power with its own waste, chasing the dragon every night. It's like you got to get back to that point. Uh, right. But but that's the beautiful thing about music. You you take this some of the songs that I've written over the years that mean the most to me when I think back about writing them like there were tears yep. coming down my face yes. while writing it absolutely yes in a car on a dashboard yep. in the rain yep. windshield wipers going scribbling on a napkin and when I think I mean I'm, I'm sure you have man, multitudes of memories just like that right may I humbly say again man no arrogance and you know what it's okay to be arrogant and it's okay to be to be humble and it's okay to find a balance in between those because you know you're gonna be both at times, even if you're just being one or the other in jest. Yeah. I'd rather have have someone be arrogant than falsely modest, you know. Or I'd 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 rather have someone be you know modest and have uh, confidently modest, mm. you know, and be able to sort of define that for themselves. But some people I've been approached in some along those lines, you know. This song makes me cry. And I, with the certain songs, where applicable from what exactly what you're saying, the windshield wipers and the rain and then the, the tears inside and trying to scribble it and pulling over to, to capture the wind. When I ever I'm approached with, you know, that's, I cry when I listen to that song. I said, I understand that because I cry when I wrote it. Shit. So, right? So I know what you're getting at with that, man. I feel you there. And I've never talked... Songwriters are, are so, I, there's something about songwriters in our generation don't really talk to each other much. It's an odd phenomenon. And I have found my, and I want to take it upon myself to make sure that that's not me. So it, this is even, I don't, this is rare to mm -hmm. be able to kind of break down that process with another writer. Sure. It's great. Thanks. I, but it's, so I, I, I've never had this conversation before mm. with another writer, songwriter. So, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, and man. I do think writers in our our within our age range. I'm older than you, but within our range, yeah, you know, within ten years, fifteen years of our need, I, I think it's, expanding the conversation is a great thing because I've never had a conversation with another songwriter about writing a song in tears. Mm. And that's, that's some shit. Can you tell me about Nothing at All, the last song on your most recent record? Yeah, speaking of which. Because that song slays me. Man, that's one of those. That's where you're just going, man, you know, no man should be this honest and vulnerable in public, but here we go. Yeah. And I'm not looking for a violin, you know? I, I, I you know, I, I, that's, it's not even about that. And, you know, you may hear it and laugh, but man, that song is where that's somebody who had no choice but to write that to get out from under some shit. Yeah, right. It, that song in particular, um, just so if you're listening, you know, it's the last song on the most recent Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite record. And I, I listened to the record on, on repeat when it came out and... Thank you. Um, and it 
it kind of reminds me of like let's say like Duke Ellington finishes his set and he's hanging out with his buddies afterwards and he plays them something like damn like for the band okay you know after the show is done that makes but, sense to me but if you're hurting when you wrote it how is it that we find relief in reliving rehashing reviewing these experiences i think that's the redemptive power of song wow right yeah isn't it? i mean that's know. it that's the blues that's what they were doing and it, it, it it's the blues and you can even i mean it, it's come into sort of modern the modern conversation when it comes to what can be pulled like blues is the is the is the arch the entry arch to how much you can actually, how much soul can be pulled from a sonic landscape. And now that we've walked through that arch, mm-hmm. here we are. I mean, I remember seeing you open for me and being introduced to your music. And you know when you walk out of a show after the show has played and you're just, when it's that kind of a show, you're in an altered emotional state. I was walking out the side doors having to go on after you getting a breath of fresh air and feeling that, Wow, you know, it's heavy. It's heavy. So it's, it's blues, but it's also you. It's also, you know, a lot of other players out there that can, that can, that have their antenna up high enough. Thanks. That was, um, that was quite a tour. That was this is this is so full circle for me because my two my two high water marks of being a musician uh, my two rewards for making myself vulnerable and finally putting it out there I hid from it for a long time okay you know I, I put out my first record when I was thirty yeah. and uh, my twenties were scattered you know I was everywhere I was mm. I couldn't I couldn't figure out a way to to hold it down but my my two to hold down I, I couldn't uh, I, I just couldn't I just couldn't uh, you were looking for you, you seek, seeking would you chalk seeking it up to, or, or just running okay running from it it was like the you know it was the thing that scared me the most putting myself out there but it was a thing but because of that it was a thing I had to do but anyway I digress the but my, you must my, have been cutting your. You must have been picking your. I mean, you, oh, I was playing for twelve you, hours a day. Okay. I was falling asleep with my guitar. That I mean, some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my. Because nobody salvation. works. Nobody gets chops like yours by only running. Oh, thank you. You were clearly running to that instrument. Yeah. But my two high wire marks are touring with you and playing at the Newport Folk Festival. So this is kind Holy of like. Holy shit, man! Well, this that's, is really that's, cool. That's, Thank you, man. This is really cool. Seriously, and to hear that from someone of your caliber is man, that's rarefied the, air. You're the boss to me, bud. Hey, man. Well, man, I'm a benevolent dictator, best. You're, you're. I just my favorite thing, and I don't, I don't need to kiss your ass, but I'm gonna for a second. So hold on. No, well, we can go back and forth, man. Because my favorite I mean, thing, I, I, my favorite know, thing really, about about getting to know you and um and and watching you play. I love your music. I love your playing. I love your songs. And I love them more every day. But 
what I'm really Thank you. touched by is the way that you treat your people, your band, your crew. How important is that? And have you, like, we're talking about vulnerability and in talking about music, we're talking about vulnerability and we're talking about, you know, being open and exposing mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, how many times have you had to learn the lesson? And Because now you keep your crew close, you know? You've got the yeah. same, you yeah. know... I mean, you have lots of different projects and lots of different bands, but the people behind the scenes that are really making it work for you, the people you trust, the people That's you travel exactly with. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I, I, um, yeah, I, you know, they're, I just treat them as, as, as an important part of the music as any member of the band. Yeah. And that's kind of, my, that's my philosophy with it. They are a member of your band. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How, is that because of your upbringing? Is that because of your family? Is that because of being around music like this whole time? Like you know, Chris, I think it is. I think it is because I am at heart a retail clerk and a <laughs> guitar yeah, luthier repair person. And I, I and a music store owner. And a music store owner now, uh, uh, fourth generation. And my kids are the fifth generation to work in our folk music store. And I... I've been further from the necessity of my roots where I had kind of lost my, my compass was temporarily malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. So I've had to, you know, continually recalibrate that compass. But I feel that it is, it is true North at the moment. And I am as close to my childhood home and upbringing at, as an adult as I have been since I left. And that feels great. And I mm. am approaching it more like a mom and pop. It feels that way. Love to hear that. And man, there's no bigger, that's not kissing my ass. You're just clocking, you're just taking stock of, of, uh, of how I run my business. And I really appreciate that because that's important to me. I mean, when um, you and you can go and ask the employees at my family's music store, you know, I, I take the same approach to the music store and the employees there as I do the people who work with me. It's important. It's it's everything. How you treat other, how one how one treats other people. And rock and roll is a trick because it's on again, off again. Right. Because right? when you're not up, that's you're it. on your way down. That's There's right. a lot of speculation in there. You've survived it. Yeah, but I mean, you know, everybody's got to pull off the road sometime, right? And then, right. so all these guys are of the caliber where they can get other gigs, you know, because no rock and roll gig is going to be, it's going to have a permanent trajectory straight for, there is time where you have to roll up the carpet and that's, uh, that it's, you know, where retail's true retail is just vertical retail. It's just Monday through Sunday or whatever it is. There's mm -hmm. set hours. Mm -hmm. And and then it it there's it's absolute. You're in your own bed every night. It's you know, it's it it moves with the calendar. But rock and roll moves with no calendar. The creative mm -hmm. process in music moves with nobody else's calendar but the artist. And I think that's where kind of the being absorbed by one's own creativity and all that it takes to get it off. I think that's where it starts because it does revolve around. Yeah, but it destroys the artist, but doesn't it? It, it, really, it, it, it destroys the creative. It's tough to survive yeah. having it revolve around what, without it becoming, nar, you know, quote, narcissism or megalomaniacal. Um, 
to have have it revolve around around have you know the world revolve around you because you know what but you're creating the world and you know what you're goddamn right it's revolve because you know what you're taking you you're making songs you're writing so you're ta- you're putting it out there you're stepping up on stage butt naked every night burning your journal to the ground waving goodbye and walking off stage hey all right whatever you you, you mm. can hate on it you can love it you can understand you cannot understand it but that's that's what's up that's what's up so if if you you know it, it's it's there's a danger to it revolving around you but there's a danger when it doesn't because that means you're not striking deep enough and your show's not on the road yeah you know so the challenge though is to roll up the carpet and wave goodbye to folks because mm-hmm. they got to go out and find another hustle but you know what you got to go back into your you got to go back and bleed some more and sweat some more yeah and f- and find the source wherever that comes from whatever that muse is wherever you can where, wherever that kind of wherever that if you want to call it ambition if you want to call it superstition if you want to call it you know juggling fire you want to call it slaying dragons you want you want to call it you know, songwriting. Cool. Call it what you have to, but you got to go, you got to go find a hit, Jack. You know, you may have to go tune some guitars, but I got to go find a motherfucking hit. Right. All right. Yeah. So it's even. Yeah. I ain't getting paid. Neither are you. Right. Wow. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's war. It's, it's man. Look, but, for you to see what you see the way you see it and have to been able to keep a crew out fed handle my business checks aren't late you know and so, it's, it's top shelf guys it's it's i feel it's uh, i feel lucky to have done it this long uh this right this long and there's casualties of war absolutely yeah but uh i'll take my batting average man wow yeah yeah it's intense man <laughs> But you've, you've done it, and you seem to be. I don't know, man. The way you guys are playing, you're so at ease. You're with your family, you know. Yeah. You're up there. Yeah. You're up there yeah. with the right people. My oldest son, 21. You know, he's in town with me. He's come to a couple of the shows. He wants to. He he's into a whole other style and a whole other genre genre. And he still he's pops, making music he, too. He's making music too. Wow. You know, uh, uh, beats. Top line, hip hop, arm it's a fusion of all kinds of great musics that is really unique to him. Uh, and he still comes and checks in on his dad's blues gigs. It's <laughs> 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 just so cool. Well, yeah, but you've done a lot more than blues. What's interesting to me is that, you know, you hear maybe, I mean, I didn't do the college thing. I didn't do, I just didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth or the capability at the time, but like, you know, and, and if Me people either. want to go study music, good on them. Yep. But it's there to be studied. Well, it is and appreciated. But what's really interesting is you've been able to, you you mentioned uh, Childhood Home, which, by the way, is also a record you did with your mother. Yep. Yep. And I mean, you've made folk records. Yeah. You know, you've done reggae. You've done blues, you've done folk, you've done rock and roll. Fair enough. But it's all Ben Harper. It's not, it's all, it's you shine through in all of it. Okay. And so 
if you had to give some advice to young, you've never been afraid to, I said to Charlie earlier, I, I told him what a great show it was. And I said, I just, you know, expressed how I felt about the show. Yeah. And he said, well, it's just blues. Anybody can play the blues with a wink. I said, I said, Charlie, Charlie, can, Charlie, can I play the blues now? He said, if you really want to. Such a gentleman. <laughs> Man, how could I have missed that? And it's 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 not that easy, is it? But Jimi Hendrix said, "Blues are easy to play, but hard to feel." <laughs> how 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 have you felt so? I mean, it has to be the music store. It has to be your upbringing because. It does. A lot of that comes back to that. You never had to, but you never had to feel permission. I didn't. I've been allowed to do things so wrong for so long. It's become a style. No, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. (laughs) But you know what I mean? To be able to mash it up, to be able to, you know, put a ballad and not have to make that ballad, not, not, not to have to popify a song like... I don't want to throw out songs like people are going to know what I'm talking about, but if you know part of my catalog or whatever, there's, I, have, I have like ballads, like it's a ballad like Waiting on an Angel or Walk Away. Sure. To be able to not have to syrup those up with strength, you know, to be able to keep things stripped down and at the same time also come with some, some a little bit more bombast or a little bit more sort of wider production. Not that leaving a guitar and a voice alone isn't a big production. That's a bold production statement to have a guitar and a voice on a record in this day and age. Mm. But also with other instruments and to build out with other sort of production ideas is also a lot of fun. And sometimes the song is crying for it. But to 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 never allow myself to be in a position to have to do one or the other does feel good. There's a freedom in it. Yeah. And I think yeah. maybe if people find a freedom in your music because of that okay you know what i mean okay like it's just a it's just a great thing i love watching the people that come to your shows i love watching the way that they react some of them have been with you since the very first record yeah a lot of these guys i love talking to them at the shows that's there's that's an incredible crew they actually they're the springboard they're that front row crew there man they're, they're the reason it's gotten as far as it has right Word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. And they don't back down. Oh, you want to debate music? Yeah. Oh, and you're not on the team Harper. Here we go. Yeah. Like, those are the <laughs> They don't shy away, man. I love those kids. Yeah. Kids to me. Damn near the same age. But yeah. Man, it's... But advice. I'm going to give you some advice. And songwriters, mm-hmm. especially in the 21st century, man, look, don't let them own you. Don't let them own you. Never mind the masters and who owns the masters. I mean, of course, you want to own part PC or masters. You have reversions in your contracts, publishing and 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 record company. You know, and but it's all right. Look, you know, I got a pair of Supreme Jordan collabs. I mean, I, I those am, look good, man. Thank you know, at a certain point, man, you you want to represent. You you know, you you want to step step with some some you know some fire fashion wise but never mind that stay away from the luxury goods <laughs> i'm gonna tell you straight up all that all that fancy leather shit <laughs> stay away from luxury goods items don't get a pool 
Don't even get a pool motherfucking table. (laughs) My point is this, man. Look, I've done it the hard way. Sure. All right, man. Yeah. I've done it the hard way. Everything. I've always... It's... It's... it's it's immersion college. Mm. It's just immersion. It's life. I, I, the manual is burned. The gurus are shunned. You know the the the. You know my 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 heroes are blues musicians. My worship is to the blues. My my I, I idolize artists. My whole life has been based around its experience based reality. Wow. In every turn, so I, please, don't have don't ever get into a position where you have to do anything creatively. Don't get in a position to where you have to write a certain style of song. Don't get into a position where you have to tour to make ends meet. Don't let your financial commitments outpace your creative commitment. That's the most important thing I could ever talk to a song about. Don't ever have to make one artistic decision based around the need to pay a bill if you can avoid it. Ooh, I've been playing a lot of shows lately. <laughs> I mean, if you can you avoid it. You yeah. Know, and to this day, I swear to you, I I still get nervous. It's I still play every show because I feel like I have to get up there and do this. I yeah. still feel it's a calling, but man, trust me, man, I got to wait. I got to wait. I got a burden as well. So they're, they're neck and neck, man. And, 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 and burden is, is throwing blows. The gloves are off. And so burdens on the left hand and burden is striking deep, but the creative necessity is, is, is swinging back hard with a right and uppercuts that the, that the burden can't stop so burden is down creativity still is 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 it's you know the decision goes to creativity to this day but man burden is is a contender and burden wants a rematch every single day you better believe that and burden gets its rematch and it's back on and it's the heavyweight match it's the heavyweight bout of my life so it's like man because I would still be playing every single show I'm playing, regardless of the burden. So creativity wins. Mm-hmm. But the burden is a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So if you can avoid the burden, but who knows, man? Maybe the burden is the blues. I don't know, man. Maybe that what made that burden is what... So maybe it's this self-fulfilling prophecy bullshit. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I just want to be real with you, CP, because it's real talk. I have so much respect for you as an artist. I don't want to bullshit you. I don't want to. I don't want one ounce of this podcast to be nonsensical or unrealistic or just meandering mindlessness. I want it to be on point because mm. you're important to me, and the Newport Festival is important to me. Thanks. And you know, I'm going to stop doing press here pretty soon. My days of having a microphone to talk about music mm-hmm. are about over. Maybe we won't turn this in and we'll just keep it for us. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that too. I, you know, I love that. But I think Who the people were going to be... be calling me at this hour? 
texting. Ben is uh Ben has a flip phone, by the way. I just wanted you guys to know it. Jimmy, I uh, Jimmy I'm, Paxson. I'm jealous. Look at him, man. Man, I'm just saying that shit was a. He had a fun night. He Jimmy killed it tonight. He's texting. I love it when the guys in the band are are, are just tri- they're just tripping, man. He's he's going off. Look at him. Hold up. <laughs> can, can you hear my phone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is the drum, is Jimmy Paxson, the greatest 21st century drummer I know. Did you pick him up from the Dixie Chicks? Uh, we met him. I was producing a record for Natalie Maines, her first solo record outside the Dixie Chicks. And okay. we recruited him for that. Okay. And then since then, the, the Chicks and I have shared him. Okay. And uh, he's is he also the drummer for The Relentless Seven? He is now. He when is now. When we go back out with Relentless Seven, he will be the so drummer. So tell, tell me real quick uh, about the band you'll have at Newport. At Newport, it's going to be the exact nucleus. You see, it's Jimmy Paxson on drums, who we're just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Mazursky, who has played and written with me over 10 years and numerous records. Jesse Ingalls as well, who's written and played with me over the same course of time. Um, myself and Charlie. Five of us. It's going to be great. Man, I am so excited about it. What do you think it's going to be like? Um, because we are so prepared I'm very glad. You know, I've looked back on this year and gone, boy, is it, we have I done too much touring? Did I book too many? Did I book too many shows uh, leading up to the fall? Well, this this year you're and, doing. You're not just doing the Charlie project. You're you're still out with the Innocent Criminals. You're still got some Innocent Criminal stuff, some solo, solo stuff. stuff. Yeah, but I the reason I feel so good about Newport mm-hmm. is that we're ready. Mm. And I actually think maybe even Newport's ready for us. But I know we are well, ready for Newport Folk Festival. Like I've never been ready for any gig in my life. I'm just ready. I feel that I, I've earned my way to Newport Folk Festival. Well, they've been ready for you for about 25 years. but I've earned my way there. I don't take it lightly. <laughs> amazing. And I just feel like it's, yeah, it's time. Uh, well, I'll be standing right there watching, man. Holy shit. And so will everybody listen to this. It's going to be great. Right on. Yeah. Like a horse in a race that doesn't want to run. An executioner who won't fire his gun. Like a boxer who won't take a swing. Like a prince who don't want to be a king Haven't we suffered, suffered enough Now we're out here fighting about something Love and trust Do all you can, just hope it's enough Everybody's crying about something Love and trust